Go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be a try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window will get their second. You're listening to Lee Carson, Newcastle, Hunters, Hunters, Rugby League. Welcome back to another episode of League Castle. I am your host, Chris McPherson, and we have finally, for Season 4, made it to double digits. A few bumps, a few missed weeks with COVID and other commitments, but we are finally here. Episode 10 for 2022 is upon us, and we've got a cracking episode ahead of us. We're going to get into, of course, our stats man's stats performers of the week, thanks to Junkyard Skips. We're also going to talk Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League. Thanks to Beaver Brewery. Uh, we're going to sit down with a couple of players from a couple of the competitions. Reese Ryan from the Morissette Bulls, uh, the front rower. He will catch up with us and talk the Newcastle and Hunter C grade. We'll also have a chat with Grant Nelson from the Entrance Tigers on the back of their uh, solid win last Friday night against Lakes United. Again, everything we do wouldn't be possible without our great uh, sponsors and partner businesses. Of course, we've talked about Junkyard Skips already. They're a great uh, partner bringing us the Statsman Stats Performers of the Week and the award at the end of the year. We've also got Beaver Brewery who bring us the Newcastle and Hunter Rugby League and our supporters looking after the Central Coast Rugby League, Sharp DS Central Coast, as well as Shipley Meets at Rutherford, who are supporting our Hunter Valley Group 21 scoreboard. Uh, we appreciate all their support and couldn't bring you what we do without their support. Make sure to follow us for all of your updates that are brought to you by those sponsors, as well as all of our content on our social media channels. League Castle AU on Instagram, League Castle AUS on Facebook. And if you uh, do want to contribute to the show, then of course you can send us a direct message by either of those channels. You can also email us, leaguecastleau at gmail.com. Uh, certainly reach out just as we get to the midpoint of the season. We're looking for more clubs to get involved in terms of the show each week. So if you've got some players or officials from your club that would like to be on the show and chat about your club and what's going really well there and your specific competition, then we would love to have you on. But uh, without too much further ado, let's kick off the show in our regular manner and we'll take a short break and then get into the Junkyard Skip Statsman Performers of the Week with Josh Spiegelman. All right, let's kick the show off with none other than our real NRL stats man, Josh Spiegelman, brought to you, of course, by our great partners at Junkyard Skips. Uh, they know where to take your rubbish. Get hold of Junkyard Skips for all your rubbish disposal needs. Josh, mate, uh, good to have you on in consecutive weeks after that little spell you and I both had. Uh, mate, uh, plenty of footy. Nice to have a full round to talk about too. Yeah, Chris, listeners, good to be back. Um, what a round, round nine was, probably the best round in the comp for some great matches and some pretty surprising results as well, according to the tipsters and probably you and I, so plenty to break down in the way of the games and the stats. I was going to ask you that, mate. You you do the uh, Instagram stories and track the tips and stuff. Like, What are the chances of overlap of anyone picking five out of five on the weekend? It'd be 0.01%. That's right, mate. I think we um, got a message or two about people uh, saying they went one for five or two for five. I mean, the, the lock of the round was um, South beating West at 85%, and that obviously came down to the wire, even though that result got up. And 
I think 73% went Wyong over Curry. Obviously, that was an upset. And, and obviously, Maitland were pretty favoured over the Scorps. So, yeah, lots of upsets. And um, it's good to see. That's why we love the comp. I'll tell you what, if Wes had a hung on, I reckon it would have been a lot of zero on zero from five messages. So, and I would, I would have been amongst it. So it was um, it. it was a pretty brutal round two. A lot of teams taking some knocks. Um, lot, very physical games on heavy tracks. Uh, not a lot of points outside of the Friday night game and the Cessnock game. No surprise at Cessnock having probably the, the best quality of field out of the games that were played on the weekend. But let's, let's have a start. Friday night. Nice to see a bit of Friday night football. Lakes. In the lead-up, a couple of big announcements. Announced the re-signing of their captain and of their coach. Unfortunately, that was where the good news for Lakes ended. 26-12, to 12, the entrance came and spoiled the party on Friday night footy at Carl Oval, mate. Yeah, it was a great watch. Um, also, a tale of two halves, I think, here. Um, you know, Lakes went into the break at 12-8 up. Uh, they had a, a recorded 97% team tapper rate, which is fantastic. One of the highest of all teams in the season. And, you know, entrance scored just one try in that first half off a, off a rubber, so... Uh, Lakes looked good at the half, and yeah, it just wasn't meant to be because the entrance they must have got a rev up at half time from their coach. So, pretty dominant second half there. I think they scored three tries to nil, and, and like you mentioned, they ran away pretty comfortably, twenty six twelve winners. That they did, and uh, Jamie Forbes, yeah, you might have put a rocket up a few people in the half time spell on Friday night because there was some really strong performances from them, but. It was a, an absolute warrior. We've talked about him a few times on here from Lakes United, who picked up the one point with undoubtedly a, uh, a workhorse sort of num- set of numbers. Yeah, he did, mate. Dan Peck, the um, the hooker for Lakes. He had a really good post-match interview too. You can check it out on Newcastle Rugby League website. Just, um, yeah, real down-earth and honest about that performance. But he can hold his head high. Um, topped the team with 52 tackles at 96%, which is incredible. Um, involved in um, two of the entrances uh, held up over the line when they uh, nearly scored a try. So I guess you can say they're uh, resilient try saves in, in a sense. And uh, he was also pretty good out of dummy half running the ball too. We had 9.7 metres of carry and two tackle breaks. And um, the effort didn't stop there. He had a team high five kick pressure. So he's all over the park uh, in positive stats for this game. He certainly doesn't lack for trying, mate. Um I'd love to see at the end of the year. I reckon he, he and Billy Gilbert are going to be neck and neck for the most tackles in this competition. Just consistently high 40s, 50s sort of tackles that they're rolling out in a game. The two of them, absolute workhorses. Dan Peck, they're probably giving away a few kilos to uh, Billy Gilbert, I think. Yeah, definitely, mate. That, those two would be in the top top three and four for me. I think rounding out by Matt Moon from the Scorps and um, Jordan Noble as well. Those those four guys. I mean, if Noble and Moon didn't play in the same team, I'm sure they'd probably even have even more. So some really, really good defenders in this comp. There certainly is. Uh, but we're going to the creative side for the two points, mate. Uh, one of the entrances playmakers who's been r- one of their strongest performances across season 2022. Yeah, he has um, number six for the entrance, Will Pearsall here. Um, I thought he guided the team around pretty nicely in that second half, especially a really controlled kicking game. But from the stats point of view, uh, he forced one dropout. He had a, a try assist and a further try contribution, line break contribution. So I don't do the full stats for the entrance, but um, just some key ones there that I noted down, and, and, and yeah, good game by Will. Certainly was, and uh, this is by pure coincidence, but the man who picked up the three points will be joining me uh, just after I finish catching up with you, mate. Um, none other than uh, Grant Nelson from the entrance, starred with some, some pretty good stats, and uh, um, yeah, also uh, like Daniel Peck, uh, nailed, nailed a pretty good post-match interview. <laughs> yeah, he did, mate. He uh, might have lost his kit post-game, but um, aside from that, uh, yeah, it was a coincidence, as you mentioned. I did this game on Friday night and um, gave the points out then. So, obviously, you only teed this up across the weekend and, 
and today as we record on Monday. So well done to Grant. I uh, got my three points. He had the two tries, had one line break and six tackle breaks. So uh, really good from the back there. Um, some really sharp runs. That he had, mate, he's, he's been very strong at fullback, so much so they've got a guy who's played fullback at Super League level who can't get out of the wing and centre position in Josh Manolato returning. So he's absolutely starring for them at the back and uh, will continue to do so. He's uh, been a strong performer for them this year. Let's move on to Saturday and, and we'll head up to Baddeley Park first. Plenty of points on offer. Cessnock 38, Central 22. Uh, again, no surprise here. Cessnock dominating the points, but it's a uh, it's a fan favourite and a show favourite who picks up the minor placing. Yeah, it is um, a good game to review really quickly here. It's one of those ones I wish I did full stats for either team because I think it would have been an entertaining game with some big attacking numbers to report back on. But as I can only do the, the tries and, and the action around that, um, we, we base this off key, key stats. And yeah, as you mentioned, the fan favourite, show favourite, um, Spider Anderson picking up one point for me. Um, two try assists and two line break assists out of Central's tries. So um, he he, keyed, he was key in some of those movements with a really nice ball over the top, one-handed, I think, from memory too. So well done to Spider. And then it was the uh, one of the big bodies in the middle for Cessnock picking up some points, one of their back rowers, I think. Yeah, one of their edge players, um, Wyatt Shaw. He's been known for a while now. They've had a dominating big wrecking ball out there, I think, on the right, right edge. He, he bagged a double in this game. Um, had one line break, um, also had a, a separate try assist and a line break assist of his own. So um, that's that's three separate try involvements that he was um, directly responsible for, either scoring or setting up out of Central's uh, number of tries they scored. So yeah, really influential by White Shaw. And, and the three points, mate, uh, an electric man who can play through the backfield or play on the wing. He um, has been a key part of Cessnock's sides for the last couple of years and still quite a young character, but uh, adds plenty to their side. Yeah, he does, mate. He's um, and he sometimes pesters us about more stats on the uh, on the the old Instagram account, but as you know, we don't do Cessnock. So I did do these though. Harry O'Brien, the the Cessnock fullback, yeah, really good performance. Um, scored a try, had a try assist, another try contribution, two line breaks, and a line break contribution also. So he's filling up basically all those key stats that I can collate for a club that I don't do the full in depth ones for. Yeah, a strong performance and uh, was key to them winning. And, uh, mate, I think he's probably your number one fan based on the volume of messages. Although the man that picks up one point in this next game certainly uh, gets engaged with you in plenty of conversations on Instagram as well. And, uh, mate, I like his straight shooting uh, uh, responses to some of your conversation pieces. It was Curry 12 running out winners over Wyong 10. Uh, an absolute arm wrestle. It was a slug. It was Wyong decimated by the end of the game. Curry were out on their feet. The ball was in play for quite a lot, considering that it was a scrappy game. But uh, Curry just hung on to get their second win of the season. It was the uh, tackling machine in the middle who got uh, the first of the points. Yeah, it was, mate. Um, Billy Gilbert uh, for Curry. He, he cracked the 50 tackles again, as you mentioned earlier on the show. Um, him and him and Daniel Peck, you know, who seem to be cracking that quite often now after the last few years of it not happening, which which to me actually shows the um, quality of, of this tournament, of this league picking up because. The more tackles someone makes usually means more ball in play, more sets going between either team. So if that's the case, then, you know, the, I mean, maybe not so much in this game. There's a fair bit of drop ball. But in general, I think that's been the trend of this league um, increasing in the last couple of seasons. So aside from his 50 tackles, he had five tackle busts, two offloads and 132 metres at 9.4 a carry. So well done to Billy Gilbert there. And he just edged out for me. Wyoming fullback Luke Sharp, who had a try assist, two line break assist, seven tackle busts. And I do want to give a, sh- a shout-out to Curry Prop forward, um, Steele there, number eight. He had a 
huge 22 carries for 168 metres and 91% of defence, but those two guys could not get a point in this game. So as you can imagine, three points and two points go to uh, special performances. They certainly do, uh, and we'll get to those in a moment. Michael Steele, as you said, was strong when he was out there. Just something I want to point out, very interesting, the statistical analysis versus the um, you know the eye judge, because interestingly enough, calling the game for Bar TV on this one, I my man of the match they gave, because Curry asked us for a man of the match on the day, was the same as the uh, Tui's new uh, Newcastle Rugby League man of the match, which happens because obviously it's... Um, um, it is the match of the round, and that were both Mitch Cullen. So quite interesting that statistically he didn't feature as heavily, but obviously to the eye, he looked like he had a lot more involvements and different pieces that we picked up on. So always interesting to see that the, the two that they sometimes converge, but quite often diverge as well, mate. So that's why it is the stats man's stats performer of the week or the year as the uh, award goes. No, that's 100% right, mate. Um, yeah, stats are that, that deeper level and all about the numbers, but, you know, eye test is equally important and what, Mitch did in this game. He actually did have one of his better games for, for Curry this season. Obviously, ties into the result. As, 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 as I speak, I'm just pulling up their stats now. Maybe give him a, a wrap here. So he did. He defended at 96% with 26 tackles. Uh, he forced an error. Um, he did run for 117 metres. So that's, that's more than he usually does. 15 carries. I know you mentioned during the call, he, it was staple for him, uh, the tap off the penalty. I think that's why his numbers were so big this week because they, they, they had a few penalties. So, yeah, you know. he, had, he had six or seven of those, but every time it was just always going to be the way, you know, tradition used to be you'd get a front row around on that edge, but he's an undersized back row. We know he throws well above his weight, but he got right in there. And as you say, plenty, plenty of good numbers there, but hard to hold out these next two as well, mate. And the two points was he was a standout, you know, a little bit just on pure class, but also undoubtedly on the volume that he had to pick up to step into the absence of Mitch Williams and Terence CUC once they went off. Yeah, that's it. One and a half, number seven, Lachlan Hannigan. Two points to me here. Um, the stats just read a try, two line breaks and six tackle busts, but the way he controlled the game, as you mentioned, without Mitch Williams, I know that's technically not a statistic, so going against what we were saying before, but he looked real likely when he was carrying the ball. I don't do eye on stats, but I can, you know, estimate their metres. And for a half, he easily would have cracked 100 in this game with some strong carries and dangerous carries, making carries defenders, you know, put off balance and on edge. So well done to Lachlan there for um, holding his own. And speaking of looking dangerous with the ball in hand and metres, mate, this man was very dangerous each time he had the ball in hand. Looked almost likely to break through each time he took a run, especially if there's any sign of a broken line. Uh, the three points, mate. Uh, a Curry star. Yes, mate. Uh, Ethan Fowles, the fullback there for Curry. Best game of the season for me. He's had one or two great ones already. Um, 189 metres, two line breaks, 10 tackle breaks, two offloads, and a force dropout. That's um, that's incredible. That's that's like Maitland levels. You know, you see that with Matt Sopelaw in the back sometimes, or you know, and a few other players, special players like that in this comp. So. Uh, well done to Ethan, and, and he had, a, I think it was like 11 supports as well. I don't have it in front of me, but he was really looking dangerous. And um, I think, yeah, if, if he hadn't dropped one that was off a rough pass, I think he would have gone another 90 metres and scored. So, um, yeah, tremendous effort by Ethan there. Interestingly enough, the two games that they've won, he has picked up three points in both of the games. So maybe a key no, stat there for uh, any of the other clubs are listening um, or, for, uh, or for Aaron Watts if he's listening on where to leverage. So... Um, yeah, Ethan Fowles uh, at his best is absolutely electric and as you said it was very um, a few of his runs actually you talked about Matt Soberlawler a few of his runs in that broken field looked very Daniel Langbridge the way he sort of changed angles and cut through holes that were only half holes so um, 
probably just a different, slightly uh, less vibrant shade of hair. Yeah, that's right, mate. That's a good comparison, actually. He looks like um, Soper Lawler with the stats, but, you know, on the eye test, it's, it's definitely Langbridge hair at the back, just cutting close to the grass and that agility. A bit more of an upright runner, I think, than Daniel, but, um, yeah, poses the same danger in those dancing shoes they've got on. Yeah, one of my favourite lines, the dancing shoes. Let's move on to South versus West, the derby out there. West, they look like they nearly had their measure early, but South just showing those premiership credentials that they, they look like they really have now. They're right up there in the uh, race for the minor premiership now, especially with that Maitland loss. They snuck at home 16 points to 10 over Western Suburbs. Mate, uh, this one, and I haven't looked at too much of the footage or the highlights yet, but this one looks like it was an absolute nail-biter. Yes, mate, this was a, a really good game to watch, really exciting. Um, obviously, the old rivalry between the two clubs, you know, West desperate this season and South looking to push on off the table. Um, I thought West came out in a stronger team, real gallant first half in defence. They led 10-0, so some, some pretty pretty key tackles made by across their team there. Um, but no, South's resilience, so to come back from that, um, you know, in the second half, to get the win, you know, it's real important for their club and keep the momentum going. And for me, um, the edges were huge. Uh, both their second rows getting some points here. But um, we'll start off with an honourable mention, actually. Uh, last week's guest on the show, Steve Witters, I thought he played well with a line break, a try assist and three tackle busts and a key tackle um, to save a try down the wing. But he just missed out on the point for me. Yeah, he's, um, he's obviously, you know, for a bloke that wasn't at 100% um, and also playing at a position, not traditionally playing as a centre, played in the centres, but it was the man who took his usual position at fullback who picked up the one point. Yeah, that's right, mate. Um, West West fullback Jaden Lockery here. I haven't heard too much about him yet, but if he plays like this, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about him. He had three separate line breaks, which is which is great. Six tackle busts, an effective offload, and just looked dangerous, kind of like um, Ethan Fouts in the Curry games every time he got involved in a backline movement. Um, so I haven't really taken notice of Jaden before, but I have. I will now when, whenever I do a game that West are involved in. One to watch for the West fans. He must be pretty handy if he's holding Stephen Witters out of the one jersey. The two points, though, they went to the man with the million-dollar motor racing name from South Newcastle. Yes, mate. Yes, Lewis Hamilton uh, had a try assist, two line break assists. So remember, this is the second row we're talking about. Three tackle busts, 113 metres and 15 runs. And he also defended at 93% with 27 tackles. So a pretty faultless performance for him. And he, just some of those runs were at like real key moments when their team was fatigued. Um, so that's not a statistic, just rolling in a bit of the eye test as well. But um, yeah, yeah, real impressed with Lewis, Lewis's effort in this game. Yeah, he has been a strong performer and we'll see he's making his way up the leaderboard shortly. But the three points, who was it and what were the numbers that held Lewis Hamilton out with such an impressive performance from a back rower to take the three points? Yes, number 12, uh, his edge partner, Scott Matthews, the hardest man to get a photo of across social media and games, apparently. I don't know how he goes missing uh, with the, with a cameraman on the sideline because he does so much work. And uh, one, of the, one of those pieces of work this game, a great individual try when South really needed it down. Um, so that came with the line break from that try. He also had seven tackle busts across the game. Uh, he won 91% of his carries, didn't make a single error, and he made 23 tackles. So... I just thought that that effort there on the edge was so key for them. He didn't just stay on the edge either. Obviously, come in, he sometimes plays lock, and he, he went up the guts a lot of times too, and uh, South starting forwards are off. So, real good effort by Scott Matthews. 
Certainly is, and enough to claim the three points. There's some pretty impressive numbers. The final match of the round, a few people questioned how this wasn't the Bar TV match of the round, the two is yep. new one, but... Look, it lived it up. It lived up to it, as did the Curry game, and as would have the West and South game. So to be fair, there was plenty of quality games of rugby league to pick from. I think you were probably spoilt for choice, uh, no matter where you went on the weekend, mate. But uh, it was Macquarie twenty-one twenty winners over Maitland, finally finding that chink in the armour. And uh, mate, you're three, two, and one here. No room for the man who could kick the decisive field goal. Um, or a penalty goal earlier in the game. But, um, yeah, certainly shared around between some uh, some big bodies and, and a man who's finally really clicking um, into the best of his form at his old club. But we'll start with the one point and uh, a man who, uh, mate, he gets through plenty of work no matter win, lose or draw for Maitland. Yeah, that's right, mate. And, and just before we go into the points, I just want to give a thought on this game as well. Yeah, best game of the season, mine to watch. I thought I, I reviewed this game just after Southwest and I thought if anything like that would be great. But if we get... This is a grand final rematch. The viewers are going to be spoiled here because these teams, I won't say spiteful match, but there was a lot of feeling in it. Both teams respected each other, how skilled they are. Um, the match started really well. Uh, Maitland opened the scoring to a really sharp dummy half kick from Alex Lambridge to Reed Elchin, and then the Scorps responded pretty soon after. A beautiful cutout ball that I sent you a video of from Baden Sell to their winger, Kingston, who had still had some work to do, like Harbour Bridge style ball from Sell there. Um, too early in the game, yeah, Scorps got out of that two-try lead, but yeah, Maitland clawed back in the second half before you mentioned Jeremy Gibson slotted that field goal, which ended up the winner. But he didn't get in the points to me, unfortunately. Um, I will start with an honourable mention to the um, friend of the podcast, fullback Matt Sobalula. Uh, 130 metres, six tackle busts, a line break, a line break assist, and a try assist. So those numbers and not getting a point show you how big some of the numbers were coming up here. Um, and as you alluded to, we'll go one point first to Maitland's prop forward, James Taylor. Um, his work rate was, was insane. He 39 tackles in the middle at 95%. He doesn't usually play like that big minutes, make that many tackles, but they were on the back foot a bit. Um, so 95%, 39 tackles in the front row, uh, alongside 164 metres um, from an equal team high, 18 carries, uh, two tackle breaks with no errors for James Taylor. They are some really solid numbers, but no surprises here with Macquarie getting the points that it was a couple of their guys working through the middle who picked up the major points. Um, speaking of uh, show favourites and, and fan favourites, mate, um, great to see the uh, two points going to this guy. Yeah, mate. Um, Luke Higgins, tremendous workload. Three points for me in any other game here, but we'll get to why he didn't later. Not taking anything away from him, though. Scored a really good try in the first half. A Higgins to Higgins special. Liam, a dummy half to Luke, crashing under the post. Um, so Luke had six tackle busts in the game, one line break for that try, two effective offloads, 18 runs for 160 metres, 24 tackles at 96%. So real solid all-round performance there by, by Luke Higgins. Yeah, always good to see, especially after the injuries he's been through the last year and a bit. So great to see him picking up the points. But I'm really excited to hear the numbers that have held out Luke Higgins. As you said, those numbers at any normal time would have picked up three points. But the man that's picked him out, he's, um, as I said, settled well and truly into his new club and um, has really put on a show with um, his performance in this win. That's right, mate. I don't think I told you his numbers yet during the week either, did I? I've kept it a secret. Kept your sleeve. My- yeah, correct. I'm looking <laughs> forward to hearing the reveal. The reveal, mate. Yeah, so obviously we're talking about Scorps, um, number 15, but played started lock here, Connor Kirkwood. Um, not only did he make 30 tackles at 94%, but 
but I want you to have a, a quick guess at the carries, the number of carries he ran for this, in this game. Oh, number of carries, I'm going to go with 22. 25 carries. Wow. 25. I was, I, I, I was going high if you could build it up, but that, that's that's good yeah. numbers in, in our league to have 25 carries in a match. I don't think I've – I may have seen that once a couple of years ago with his part with, with Luke Higgins, who we always talk about, but no one else plays the minutes or comes close to that. So um, 218 metres, that got him off the 25 carries. So there were no breakaways either. There were, there were hard-fought logs, like seven, eight, nine-metre carries up the middle against. And, and you can understand that maybe against a low-ranked team, but this is against Maitland we're talking about here, like Butterfield, Taylor, Sam Anderson. Like, you get hit by one of those guys usually in hospital for a week. So 25 runs up the middle against them. Just, yeah, definitely enough for the three points. But not only that, he had a line break assist and a try contribution on top of it. So couldn't go past Connor for the three points. Well done and well earned to Connor Kirkwood. And I might just use this opportunity because I know we had this question through to the... Uh, Instagram page a week or two ago. A stat that we hear you talk about quite often is a try assist. Another one is a try contribution. Do you want to give the listeners just for a little bit of, just to make sure that they're clear, because obviously we, we don't want them to think that we're fudging things here, mate. Um, you are a, a professional at what you do. What's the difference between a try assist and a try contribution? Yeah, well, um, it, it's case by case, really. But the, the main definition really is that the try assist is the key touch that leads to the try. But the try contribution and similarly the line break contributions are key touches that happen prior to that final key touch. So, you know, when a halfback, you know, digs into a line, shifts the defensive line and then fires it out to the centre and then the centre throws, you know, like a giddly flick or something that puts the winger over or or like a really nice ball, beats the defender, line break and then passes to the winger. So the centre is going to get the try assist, but the seven or the six, whoever's dug in the line that you know, makes the shape possible, he'll get a contribution. So there there are cases where the last touch can be the contribution too. Obviously, just for a background, I've come from a Fox Sports uh, background here, so we did this for Supercoach for, for years and whatnot. So it is case by case, but as I just mentioned, that's that's basically the definition there, simply, simply put. No, I think that's, that's cleared up enough, mate. It's, it's, it's mostly around that lead-up piece, and that, as opposed to the last touch, as you say, there are some other... Uh, anomalies and we couldn't go through every possible scenario but I think that gives a bit of clarity just because I think that's probably if someone's asked and it's probably a question that a few people got in their mind when they're listening in but mate that brings us to a wrap on the week's results for Junkyard Skips and the all the players that have picked up the points let's have a look at the leaderboard and the first couple of things and I know we like to reel off again stats about stats because that's what we do we are now up to 70 players scoring points now, when we have a look at that, we're nine rounds in, four games to be caught up. So 70 players in 41 matches have managed to tally points. We still have the same leader who we'll get to in a moment, but within striking distance, so what I'll call striking distance is a three-point victory of pulling level. We currently have 13 players, and then within striking distance of two games, we go back that far. It is this open at the halfway point of the season and allowing some teams to have two games in hand. There's 46 players who, if they were to pick up six points, would be equal leader right now. Like, it is that open this year. I don't remember it being this open last year. There's a few breakaways, and then we obviously had Luke Higgins getting injured, but it's a very open competition, and anyone could claim the $150 cash prize and $150 of a charity of their choice thanks to Junkyard Skips. Yeah, exactly, mate. It's... um. You know, I've, I've ground the tape and, um, you know, seen the quality across the park and I call it as I see it. And that's just the way this comp is now. There's quality from 1 to 17 and, you know, even some bench players picking up points for their impact and there's a splattering of all clubs now. 
in that leaderboard. So, you know, anyone can win this. And, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, I'm just trying to run through. And I think if we go down to about, I think every club, oh, maybe barring West, obviously they haven't had the greatest yeah, start of the season, West, but they've got... West, a, um, yeah. Sorry, West, yeah, West have a few players on that one point. Um, I think uh, I think they've only got, yeah, up to the one. Yeah, now, so but outside of that, the other, other nine teams, I think, are all represented in the top 15 or 16 players. So it's, you know, I think outside of maybe the two bottom clubs, Western Lakes, everyone has a player in that striking distance range, as I referred no, to Nick before. Lowy, Nick, Lowy's on, Nick Lowy's up there in, in 15th place, so he yeah, represents. So, yeah, so that's, but that's what I'm saying. He's on five, so he's one point below when I said that striking distance. So that's that's oh. phenomenal to think that there's eight clubs that have got a player within three points of the lead. So hey, the Daly M's not offering that, is it? <laughs> Yes, mate, this is where everyone wants to pay attention to the stats man comp. Thanks to Junkyard Skips, not the Dally M. Yeah, exactly right. Junkyard Skips bringing you all the stats. Right, let's have a run through this leaderboard, mate. We've done evens and odds each the last couple of weeks. Let's do it again. So on six points, so let me just do the reverse engineering here. In equal uh, ninth spot, we've got Fletcher Kennedy from Central, Baden Searle and Luke Higgins from Macquarie. Harry O'Brien up there now from Cessnock and Ethan Fowles from Curry. So those two both making a move up into that striking distance range, mate. So do you want to jump onto the sevens? Yes, mate. Uh, four players in seven points here. Cam Spider-Anderson moves up to seven with his point from the weekend. Will Pierce will go from five to seven for the entrance. And uh, Luke Sharp stays on seven. Unlucky not to go up uh, from Wyon. And Jimmy Bradley's uh, stuck on seven too, even after a strong performance. So always going to be hard to make, get points from that Maitland lineup. Jimmy Bradley, a classic sprinter, out of the gates very hard, and he's uh, come back to the pack a little bit now. On eight points, we've got Kaya Cooper, another one. He took a flying flying run for a couple of weeks there. He's on eight points. Mitch Williams obviously didn't add to his after leaving the field in the first half, but weaving his way up through the pack, and pun intended there, is Lewis Hamilton from South now within one point of the lead. And I'll tell you what, he's just a smoky for the, that workhorse style, a bit like, you know, your Luke Higgins. Throws in a few little key attributes to get himself a few more super coach points, so to speak, and... He's done well this year, Mitch uh, Lewis Hamilton, and uh, works his way up. Um, he was he was a reasonable performer for them last year, but he looks like he's taken it to another level in twenty twenty two, mate. Yeah, and he can um, he can score that try or two a game. You know, running off Glanville or you know Angus Ernst now has come up in their number six looks really good, and, and obviously Keelan as well. So a couple of meat pies and a couple with the the workhorse numbers he puts up. It's hard to keep him out of the points. Certainly is, mate, but uh, there's only one man. He stands out in front like a beacon, and uh, that's not just because he wears that bright, bright white headgear. I sometimes wonder whether he gets a new set each week. It's always so clean. He must wash it. (laughs) Yeah, he must have some sort of a powerful detergent at home. Certainly does. He's probably got Frank Frank back there washing it for him. But, uh, mate, our leader, I'll let you reveal for the Junkyard Skips, at the midpoint of our season, the clubhouse leader in the Junkyard Skips Stats Man of the Year competition is... Matt Balola on nine points, but uh, everyone remember that Maitland has played their full complement of games. So um, we will, yeah, I'm sure see this table shift around as the, as the season, season progresses and some of those catch-up rounds are played out. We certainly will. It'll be interesting to see how that does shape up. Um, obviously, Macquarie and South both with a game in hand and that, that shapes up well for the likes of Lewis Hamilton on eight uh, then going back and having a look, you know, the only other teams with games in hand are Curry and Lake. So those players are in there. Ethan Fowles. Uh, Curry up two games. Yeah. Don't they, so. Curry and Lake's both with two games in hand. So Ethan Fowles, Nick Glowey, but then the Scorps bunch of Baden Searle, Luke Higgins and co as well. So, um, and it, you can never write off, obviously, the defending the defending 
winner, mate, uh, Royce Jeffrey. We saw him spark to life only a couple of weeks ago. So, look, it's an open competition. Everyone's got at least nine games to play, some teams 11 games to play. So anything that's been done already can be replicated and um, we can see some players storm through and we'd love to see some people put their hand up. We saw Jaden Lockery make his first appearance this week and it'd be great to see some more of those sorts of players starting to you know, join the list for the first time uh, with some points and make a bit of a run, mate. Yeah, definitely. Based the way we're going, it wouldn't be surprising, obviously, to see over 100 players knock a point again and maybe even more this season. So as the clubs go through the weeks and, you know, need to call some people up. So exciting times, mate. This comp heating up. And I posted on our Instagram account the tips as pre-season predictions against the current table, obviously, with a few games in hand. But we've technically reached the midway round point And some of it's pretty good. I think um, West's a bit overrated pre-season. Scorp's very underrated. Uh, I think we predicted the Scorps definitely would be strong this season. We did. We talked about that. But, uh, mate, there's still a long way to go in this season. You know, a lot of people were already uh, ready to hand the uh, premiership to Maitland before the weekend. But we've seen what the Scorps could do. And they've got another tough test this weekend. There's plenty of good footy this weekend. So we look forward to catching up with you again next week, mate. Uh, again, all thanks to Junkyard Skips. Uh, great to have them on board. Mate, we appreciate all your efforts and work uh, going into reviewing the games and putting this all together for us. And, uh as always, mate, happy to chat footy with you and look forward to doing it again post-round 10. That's it, mate. Looking forward to it. Love this comp. And thanks for all you do for the podcast too, mate. You do a lot of work too. All right, time to dig deeper into the Denton Engineering Cup. And we are fortunate enough to have a guest who not only has been a key part of his side run so far this year, but... Also, as you would have heard just then with our stats man, Josh Spiegelman, he picked up the three points in their Friday night victory for the Entrance Tigers. He is none other than the Entrance's Grant Nelson. Grant, welcome to League Castle. Yeah, thanks. Good to, good to be on. Mate, I suppose it's probably good to be on, on, on a high, mate, not only individually playing well, but getting a, a strong win on a Friday night uh, up at Lakes is no easy feat. So you guys would have, been, uh, would have been a nice weekend to relax and reflect on two hard-earned points. Yeah, 100%. We love playing on the Friday night, but the whole weekend to recover. And, yeah, obviously the boys would be excited about it and rip into a few celebrations. Yeah, I, I can imagine a, a, couple, a couple of recovery ales would have been had Friday night and Saturday. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I yeah, love it. Gets it. I love it, love it mate. Um, so let, let's have a bit of a chat, I guess. Let's go back a couple of steps and... Um, we're talking off air, yourself and Entrance Junior who's been on a little bit of a journey, come back to the Entrance and, and you're back and settled in there now with the side in the Denton Cup. How's it been coming into the, you know, from the Central Coast Rugby League into the Denton Engineering Cup and um, how's that sort of reflected on the Entrance and the viewers, the Entrance as a bit of a pathway club on the Central Coast? Yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely a big step up in um, sort of the quality of the football being played. It's a lot tougher, a lot faster, a lot more physical, so you know, a lot more preparation goes into into our games, into our training and things like that. So, yeah, I think it sort of made the club sort of restructure and get a bit more professional about um, sort of the approach to footy. And, yeah, it's doing wonders for the, for the juniors and all that sort of stuff coming through and wanting to play it in higher grades. And, and, mate, in terms of that, obviously the entrance, no stranger to playing in those higher-tier competitions. You know, go back a couple of decades and, and they were involved in the... Um, I think it was the Jim Beam and then the Bundaberg Red Cup maybe at different points, including winning one or two titles. And you've got a guy who was key to those titles back at the helm. I mean, he was playing back in those days, but I think he had about the same amount of hair in Jamie Forbes. 
yeah, no, it's awesome having Paul G around. He's um, he really gets the best out of uh, out of everyone. Um, everyone loves playing for him. So yeah, he's just a real clubman. Sort of yeah, gets everyone excited about playing footy again. His experience is yeah, it's so beneficial to to the team, to the whole club. Really, so, yeah, we love having him back. And in terms of experience, mate, another guy who's got plenty of high-level experience, I note back in your team list, uh, he might be John Farnham after he's had a few retirements already and keeps coming back for back halves of the season. I just think Josh Manolato doesn't like pre-season. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think his missus didn't want him playing, so he's um, yeah, got a bit too itchy sitting on the sidelines and running the water. Can't help himself, he loves it. Yeah, I hope she's not listening and doesn't know that he's you know, is in the situation where she doesn't know, or, or maybe it's just taken him, you know, seven or eight rounds to negotiate the uh, permission at home. I don't, know, I don't know what he would have had to trade off there, but it would have been a fair bit, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon he's had to give something up. Yeah, exactly. No, he's a good guy, Josh. Uh, I've known him for a long time, and he's been a good, um, I guess, uh, advocate for Central Coast footy, but, but first at Wong, and then obviously on his travels at the Knights and Hull and all those places, and then now coming back to the entrance. So great to have him uh, back in our competition, mate. But... I guess, obviously, you've seen all the sides pretty much now in terms of what you're facing. Uh, it's the, you know, the obvious question is, is, is it a Maitland, you know, dominant competition or are there other sides you see winning it? And, and what have you guys got to do to, to put yourselves in amongst that race? Um, you sit just outside sort of the top five now, but what's going to be the key piece to, to getting you into the finals and then making a deep run? And who have you got to beat? Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, Maitland. Yeah, really strong. There's you know, not too many weaknesses out there. They just yeah, they do everything right. So um, yeah, I think anyone really has the potential to beat anyone in this comp. Everything's so close. And we've been sort of close in a lot of our games, losing by four points, six points, and things like that. So yeah, I think it's just I don't know. It's just we've got to sort of complete at a bit of a higher rate because we've just seemed to be dropping the ball at sort of key moments when we're attacking lines. And yeah, I think it's some frustration getting in there. But yeah, we're not far off. You know, we haven't been getting on the field because of all the rain and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, once we can get a good few sessions together, I think, yeah, it'll start to click a little bit more. The win on the weekend was, yeah, a step in the right direction. Just carry on from there. Yeah, certainly consistency, a tough one, um, as you say, for a lot of teams with the wet weather, trying to get on training paddocks, uh, yeah. other weird and wonderful um, alternate training sessions or just putting a pen through them all together. It's really hard when you are competing you know, at the level you are too. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, local pub or park footy. It's it's pretty high level in terms of the semi-professional game. Yeah, a lot has to go into it. So, yeah, it's hard when you're, when you're not training and doing things you need to be doing. But, you know, everyone's in the same boat. And yeah, just sort of got to keep kicking along. And in terms of... A few yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's probably one of the things we talk about, momentum as well, not only just getting some consistency on the training paddock, but it's amazing... You know, once you get that sort of winning pattern happening, it's it's probably going to become a bit of a, a habit. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, winning is a habit, and you know, once you get a taste of it, it's hard to hard to go back. Uh, now, mate, um, in terms of the entrance, now we talked about it really briefly before, but the fact that you're now in the Denton Engineering Cup, do you think that's a really you know is that a better pathway now for those juniors that are coming through? Those guys that might miss out on those junior age, you know, you've obviously got the Central Coast Roosters down there, but those junior age sides that come through, ply their trade, and maybe put themselves back in the shop window? And do you think that's going to help the entrance as a whole as a club? Yeah, definitely. I think it'll yeah, attract some more um, juniors to sort of stick around and give it a go with that higher competition. You know, it's a bit of a pathway for them to improve their own footy. And yeah, there's a couple of young guys coming through that um, they're yeah, really going to benefit from from playing against, you know, sort of bigger bigger guys and 
getting that toughness in in their game. So yeah, I think yeah, it's good for the club. It's good for everyone. You know, we love being up there in the in the Newcastle comp, and yeah, it's just a bit more professional, and yeah, it brings out sort of makes you want to put your best foot forward and play your best footy. Yeah, certainly, and, and that guy we talked about before is probably the perfect example of those kids that don't quite make it at that junior cut and go through and play a little bit of grade and you know excel in the um, what was the Newcastle competition. Talking about Josh Manalato, obviously he did that at Wyong and then got those opportunities to go through into New South Wales Cup before making his debut. Before obviously a, f- a fairly significant career that he had. You know, it was um, from memory. Uh, you know, almost 50 games over at Hull KR, played in a World Cup for Italy, all these sorts of things. A lot of it came off the back of the fact that he was able to put himself in that shop window. So it shows it can be done. Yeah, definitely. A lot more a lot more eyes on, on the game. So, yeah, definitely more of an opportunity for people to get seen and show off how good they can be. Yeah, 100%, mate. Now, in terms of you guys, let's have a look at this weekend's game and, and it's probably going to be a big game for a few guys there. Yourself, Josh included, have both pulled on the colours of both clubs and... It's always a good rivalry, but it's the Central Coast rivalry now in the Denton Engineering Cup. You take on Wyong. Added to that is the fact that after your win and their loss on the weekend, you're now level on the ladder. So there's an opportunity to really, you know, put some more pressure on the other if you can get a win, but claw yourself up another spot or two on the ladder too. Yeah, that's it. the games against Wyong, they're always massive for us. The whole week we'll be talking about it. And, you know, there's rivalries always been there, even in the Central Coast competition. It was always sort of us and them in the grand finals. and. Yeah, just yeah, that rivalry. Yeah, we'll be talking about it all week. We've, yeah, no one ever wants to lose to Wyong. No, definitely need to have bragging rights, especially you know you, a lot of you guys had crossed paths in different parts down on the coast. You're fairly regularly, I would think, and a lot of you know each other because you've gone from yeah. one to the other at different points. So you'd be hearing about it at different points. There'd be other other conversations that go on during the week, and you'll forget that there might be some of those guys that you know whoever whoever gets the bragging rights or in that group chat or whatever and you, and you hear about it again a little snide remark for the you know until you come up against them again which depending on how things play out and where you both sit now one of you could you know it could be the difference between you guys playing finals football and, and them not or vice versa so it's a it's a big one this one yeah a massive game for us i think our whole season sort of based off this game really we it's a real must win so, yeah it hurts anytime we lose to one so it will keep that in the back of our minds yeah, certainly. Well, what's going to be the keys to, to taking down Wong? Obviously, they've got some really key experienced players, but they've got threats all across the park. Yeah, I think um, our main thing, we just need to play tough. You know, we need to try to lock down the middle because um, Mitch Williams is a yeah, very experienced player. He's good out of dummy half, so you know, you just got to keep an eye on him and um, yeah, just lock up that middle and try to not let the sort of easy ones through. Yeah, certainly a key. We we actually wish Mitch all the best. He had a bit of a, a head knock on the weekend and got ruled out with a, as a concussion substitute. So hopefully for, for Wong, so he can get back out there because he was sorely missed. They had a, a bit of a tough run with knocks and injuries on the weekend. Mate, um, in terms of game day down there, I, I'm sure you're uh, hoping that all the Central Coast locals get down and make a real atmosphere of it. You guys have got a big day scheduled uh, down there. I think four or five games at least um, scheduled for the day. Yeah, that's... Uh, it was always massive down at home for us. Um, try to get as many of the many of the guys over there as we can. Uh, the crowd there really gets us home sometimes. So yeah, we hope they get there and get vocal and sort of rip the other team for us a bit. I'm just having a look. It looks like you've actually got the schedule to be six games on the day, so well worth the price yeah. of admission. So um, I don't know, I don't know if they crack the blue cans open at under 19s time, but certainly by midday you'll be able to get a couple in you and get well warm to uh, 
give uh, whichever is your uh, chosen opponent plenty of feedback uh, during the game or just get into the blokes in pink as a man who's been out in the middle. I know I've got plenty from plenty of blokes full of blue cans, so it'd be good to have a good atmosphere for the derby. Yeah, 100%. There'd be a few cans flying around for sure. Lovely, mate. Well, let's have a quick look at the other games and then I'll let you go, mate. Appreciate your time coming on. Just get some thoughts yep. for you on the other games and uh, the Saturday games we've got uh, kicking off at 3 o'clock up at Maitland Number 1 Sports Ground. Maitland Pickers versus Central. Maitland and Central both coming off losses they'll be quite disappointed with last week and two of the sides that, I guess, you know, probably got a target on their back in terms of uh, the competition. So it'll be an interesting one. You'd be very surprised to see Maitland lose back-to-back games. Yeah, hundred percent. They're um, they're they're a team that won't like to lose twice in a row. They'll yeah, they'll definitely bounce back. But and again, everyone sort of lifts a little bit when they're playing against the top side. So uh, expect it to be a close one. Yeah, lovely, mate. Next up, we have two sides who um, one you came up against last week. Lakes, their host Curry, there at Carl Oval again. Curry getting that upset wing win against Wyong. Lakes will be wanting to make sure that they don't stay too close to the. Uh, Cellar Dwellers West and will want to be sticking up with Curry and getting their second win. This is a crucial game for both these seasons teams if they want to keep their season alive. Yeah, 100%. They need to, yeah, both teams really need to win. So, yeah, it'll be a desperation game, I think, for, for both teams. Yeah, probably a few points fine on that one. Yeah, I think there'll be plenty of points in that one. I think you could be right. Let's head on to Sunday. This one's an interesting one. South, they took a while to get going against West last week. Macquarie will be flying high. Can they keep their efforts up at that same level? They managed to knock over Maitland by a solitary point on the weekend. This one's this one's probably pretty key to in terms of shaping the finals race and teams looking at two bites of the cherry with them sitting second and third, mate. Yeah. Uh, they'll be riding that um that momentum, definitely. They'll um yeah, tough to tough to beat. You know, they're they're very tough in the middle as well. So yeah, I think they're looking pretty good. They'll want to set themselves up for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that ought to be nice and physical. Two very uh, hard-edged forward packs um, yeah. when you have a look at those two sides. So they'll both, I reckon, wake up pretty sore on Sunday on Monday morning. Yeah, some big hits in that one. Certainly will be. And last but not least, West, they came oh so close last week against their big rivals, South. They're yet to break their duck for the season. Can they do it against Cessnock? Cessnock flying high after a big win at home against Central Newcastle. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I'm not sure they you know, anyone can beat anyone on the day, but yeah, I think yeah, that's not. They were pretty good when they played against us two weeks ago. Rolled a few points onto us, so it's yeah, kind of hard to see them losing. Yeah, you'd have to think they've got plenty of points in them with some of those attacking threats, and uh, the fact they've brought in a guy like uh, Jared Anderson into their squad as well, who's played New South Wales Cup level um, in recent years, is certainly uh, another big body in what's already a big pack with the likes of Sam Madeira and Reed Hugo. So they're going to take some stopping. Uh, Grant, really appreciate your time coming on the show, mate. Well done again on last week, individually and as a team. Good luck for the rest of the season, and we hope to catch up with uh, yourself and the Tigers boys uh, heading into the finals and going on a bit of a run. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate it. All right, time to dig into the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League, and this week we are looking into the C-grade competition, and we are fortunate enough to be joined by uh, a man who probably needs no introduction after recent years. He's uh, been on the show before and involved with us. He is the uh, sometimes vice-captain, sometimes captain, and uh, all-star, all-skills front rower from Morissette, Reese Ryan. Reese, welcome back to League Castle, mate. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. Good to be here. 
No, mate. Um, Morissette, as always, sort of uh, pushing up towards the top end of the C-grade competition. How's things shaping up as we head to the, the middle of the season? A bit of a change of the guard with some a few new faces. Yeah, um, we're looking really strong. Our, we had a first round by, and then the second round we went up to the terrace and got beat 50 nil. And I started to panic a little bit for the year. And But, um, yeah, we've sort of put it, put it together now with a, f- a few new faces. And, um, yeah, I think we, we haven't lost a game since then, so... We're travelling pretty well. No, that's good to hear, mate. There's a few familiar faces still floating around. We're just talking about it off air, mate. Obviously, yourself, the likes of Matt O'Brien and a few others that have been around for um, a few years there at Morrisett and have formed the, the core of that team that's been sort of in the top three or four sides in C-grade the last few years. Yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, Matty O'Brien and Matt Dix, they went back down the wild last year, but we've um, we've jagged them again for this year, which is pretty good. And uh, Stephen Ferguson, one of our back rowers, he's, He's been there since I've been there, and he's just—he's sort of the heart and soul of that side. I think a fair bit. So yeah, it's great. It's great to have, and we're all sort of older heads now. So we um, and we've all played a fair bit of footy as well, which is good. And mate, how does it feel um, having that little bit? Uh, I guess less pressure on your shoulders, uh, not having to not only cart the ball up, but uh, also carry that coach's tag with you as well. Uh yeah. Oh, the, the stress, all the stress is gone. But my wife's happier, which always helps. But, um, yeah, just not having to be out on the field and thinking about if the bloke goes down, who's going to go where and all that sort of stuff. Now I'll just get to go out and play footy and, yeah, and score score a try. So I've already got that out of the way as well. So I'm pretty happy about that. I, I like that you say score a try. That's just the, the expectation. Just the one for the season's a good result. In the, in yeah, the front line, mate. Well, I was going to say, it, yeah, we need the one. I was going to say, if you get too many more, they'll start pushing, pushing you out wider and you have to do more work and, you know, don't get rotated as often. It's overrated. No, there's a few other boys that like to run at wingers. I'll just stay in the middle. Yeah, I like it, mate. Um, so, obviously, you talked about Raymond Terrace just before there. One of the pace setters in terms of the competition, although it's uh, hard to get a real judge because you know, everyone's played a different number of games with washouts and things. Dora Creek currently showing as first on the ladder. But uh, Raymond Terrace, they're the side to beat from from your point of view. Who else is up there uh, in terms of the, the big competition threats that you're going to have to beat to get to uh, the big dance in September? Um, yeah, I think this weekend will be a big. This weekend will be a huge game. Obviously, a local derby, but first versus third as well. Um, they've been travelling pretty well. They've, they've touched a few sides up. So, um, and then they've had two. I think two close wins. Um, yeah, so Dora, uh, Raymond Terrace, and I think Lakes is a bit of a smoky. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with them because they come out and they, they absolutely. I watched them play against the Wobbacool, and that was pretty physical. They got beat, but um, yeah, they were just. A, they seem like a really young side, full of energy and. Yeah, they're, they're sort of one of one of the top three or four sides, I think, in my mind. Yeah, well, your your game against them, obviously, early in the year got washed out. They've got two games to catch up, but as you say, they had a draw against Fingal, then they did they, they managed to knock off Dora Creek and Raymond Terrace, which is interesting. But as you said, went down to a Wobbacle and then the bye last week, so really hard to get too much of a gauge on them. You'll have that catch up game, and um, then yeah, as we get into the second half of the season, probably get a bit more of a scope at them. You get two looks at them anyway across the back half, mate. So. I will say Lakes, as you say, a young side, but um, I won't let Jimmy Newburn get away with um, being credited as young bloke because he's got a, a good few years on me, mate. So you'll notice when you see them, lot, lots of young kids, and then there's just this one weird old bloke that hangs out with them and occasionally gets on the field. So just watch out for him. He's a sneaky dark horse. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for him. Lovely, mate. Well, let's have a chat about last week, mate. You went up, Fingal's another side that's run pretty well and they've taken a number of teams to the wire. You went up there. It's never an easy road trip, but... Uh, Came away with a with a close win, mate. How was um, how was the trip up there, and, and what were the keys to, to knocking over the bombies? 
Um, yeah, we watched we watched them play against Dora. They only had uh, sort of 14, 15 players, and I wasn't sure what I going what I was going to give up. Uh, when we went up there, but they're um they're they're a very very physical side. Like I think I'm I'm still struggling to walk now, and we played Saturday afternoon. Um, but yeah, it was a, I think it was a great game. Um, yeah, physical as anything. Plenty of penalties from both sides. Um, but yeah, it's just um, I think just we we had one in the bin, and then they had one in the bin, and they kept attacking our line. And I think we defended our line for probably sixty percent of the game, and the boys just kept turning up. Which um, to have new bikes in the side that have only sort of played five or six games together, and to already have that attitude as a team, I was um, I was very very happy and pretty impressed with the way the boys. Um, Defended on the weekend. Yeah, they're the big things, aren't they? I guess uh, discipline's one, but if both sides are on the same level with that, then it's not too bad. But just turning up and uh, continuing, sometimes it's just effort. The 80 minutes in C grade can sometimes feel like an absolute lifetime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was. That's. I've been coaching the last couple of years. I, I don't tend to hook myself, but now I'm, um, I'm looking at the sideline a lot more as I get a little bit older. But um, the coach. The two coaches, Paul Jones and my best mate Alan Foody, they uh they like to play me the big minutes because apparently I can play when I get hooked anyway. So, um, yeah, good fun. Yeah, I can, I can I can imagine having having dealt with you a bit through footy, mate. That um you, you wouldn't be the happiest camper if you're uh, if you feel like you're going all right still so out there and they're dragging you off just to prep you for another spell. But that's why they've got the clipboard now, mate. You don't have to worry about that. Fortunately, um, let's have a quick look through the other results from the weekend. Um, any surprises here, mate? A Wobbacle comfortable winners, 38-12. to 12. Uh, They played Abermain up at Baddeley Park at Cessnock. Uh, Dora Creek, close winners against Walls End Maryland, 24-22. And then the, the Terrace West Walls End game was postponed. So those two other games that got ahead, were they sort of as you expected? Uh, yeah, I think um, Walls End Maryland, they, they seem to... I think they're going to lose a lot of very tight games. They're, they're a very good side. Very, um, they're very physical through the middle as well. Um, they've got a couple of big centres that are very decent. Um, and uh, Lowy through the middle, he's, he's always there. And um, yeah, so I wasn't too surprised with the results. Um, I'm not sure. It's, I haven't seen Abermain yet, so I don't know what's going on there. I know that a few boys that are playing there that I know. Um, and you look at the team list, they've got a pretty decent side. So it'll be interesting when we go up there. Yeah, there's a few names in that side that, uh, as you say, the um, certainly on on paper look like you'd probably expect a few more results, and it might just be a case of I know they've had a few changes at the club, so getting a few things clicking. But look, there's not much that separates. It's only about three results, depending on games in hand, that separate sort of fourth and last. So it's, it's really throwing a blanket over it, depending on those catch-up games and the workload that some teams are going to have to get through in the back end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, mate. But um, I guess let's have a look ahead at round eight. And uh, you did flag it earlier that there is an um, absolute cracker that you guys are, are hosting on Saturday. But we might start a little bit in reverse and start with the Sunday afternoon game. Seeing as you, you came up against Fingal last week, they'll head out to Walters Park uh, to take on Awabakal. And Awabakal's been a bit of an up and down side this year, but you certainly know um, that they don't leave uh, any stone unturned in terms of physicality when they play their game. Yeah, no, they've. they've... We we played them last year and they were just it was just a brutal game. Like they um they're not a grubby side at all, but it was just so physical. Um, but I think Fingle Fingle should probably be able to match them, I'd say, because they're a very physical side as well. Um, I think that'd be that'd be a great game to go and watch. I reckon. Um, just to watch two teams that we have to verse again, 
bash each other. So, and um, with a wobble having the, the Simon brothers there, I think if they play, if they play nearly every game, Matt and Aaron Simon, I think they're they're going to definitely be there at the end. Yeah, that adds a lot of punch to a back line when you've got the guys of their ilk that have you know previously played first grade. They were with Belmont South last year and did quite a job in the A-grade competition. So some good acquisitions for a Wobbacool. And uh, as you say, that's well worth watching if you've got some spare time on Sunday afternoon, uh, 1 o'clock out at Walders Park at Spears Point there. But on to Saturday, and um, this, this is a great anomaly of uh, the competition with having Lakes United in there, mate. A 10.30 a.m. kickoff. What are your thoughts on a 10.30 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about being thirty plus and playing at ten thirty in the morning. I think I'm coaching my young blokes under nine team, and there's a good chance we're going to clash there. So he'll um he'll be pretty dirty at me if I don't coach. But I can't I can't see me missing a game of footy. So um yeah, it's it's, it's probably a pretty good thing. You could we're looking to organise something after our um I think we're playing on a Friday night actually. So um yeah, we'll probably look at doing something after that, which yeah, a bit of a difference in in a weekend. So. Yeah, it certainly opened some things up, as you say. It just depends on if they're grades at home. But either way, you know, and I know one of the other sides that I spoke to that played them earlier in the year on a Saturday, they sort of said it was actually all right because basically they got there and had a bit of a bonding session and watched the remaining, you know, the, the three grades, that the under-19s reserves and first that Lakes turned out. So, um, I mean, that's there's worse play, ways to spend a, a Saturday afternoon just recovering with a few blue cans, right? Yeah, I think um, there's a real good chance that we're going to sort of probably take the same game plan there and hang about and watch their, watch their other grades go around. So it should be a good day. We'll see, see how that lines up in a couple of weeks. But this week it is them hosting Walls End Maryland as part of a, a big day. I think they've got five or six games on at Carl Oval, so well worth getting to for the punters. But as you said, Walls End Maryland, they've got, they've got plenty of ability and certainly plenty of experience. Just the man that rocks the nine these days, Lowy, I think he's pushing up to 250 or 300 games and doesn't look like stopping anytime soon. But... Lakes, as you said, they've got um, plenty of youthful exuberance and plenty of physicality. So this one will be an interesting one. Uh, Lakes probably heading in favourites, though. Yeah, in, in my mind, in my mind, they'd be favourites. Um, just, just their, their speed through the ruck sort of thing. So if they get on the front foot, I think they're they're pretty impossible to stop. When we we versed them last year as well, and I think we we only just beat them over there. And yeah, if they get on the if they get a roll on, they're they're pretty fucking oh, sorry. <laughs> they're pretty um, tough to slow down. Yeah, certainly the case. It'll be an interesting one. Plenty of punch out wide for Walls End Maryland, as you said. So another good one to watch. Next up, we've got uh, West Walls End hosting Abermain. Both sides yet to chalk a win in the year, so uh, one of them should walk away with their first victory of the year. And I don't know whether you've had much of a look at either of these sides yet this year. Yeah, we've we've played Westy in a trial, and then we've played them in a round game as well. And um, we had an eight-all draw in the trial, I think. And then we beat them in the round game, but they're they're a very good side. Um, they, their forward pack's really good as well. Um, I think it's, is it Kai? Yeah, Kai. Front rower? Kai, Kai Yunke, and uh, I'm not sure whether he's going to be back this week. But uh, did hear a whisper that Khan Yunke, his brother, who's played a, a bit of uh, first grade at Curry and uh, out in maybe uh, Group Four or one of those country groups as well, um, he might be back around the trap shortly as well. So that'll be a big in for them, which will add some punch to that pack alongside Kai. Yeah, they've got a they've got a couple of um, pretty strong forwards there, so it'll um it'll be a pretty good game because Abermay's got a pretty big forward pack as well, I think. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to watch, and as I said, it'll be good news for one of those teams coming out of there with their first win of the season. And, and we know with this competition being so close, if you go on a bit of a run from there, anything could happen. Uh, the final one, mate. Though I know this one, you'll be happy to talk about. It is the grudge match. It's a local rivalry. 
I know you were really disappointed that you couldn't get enough numbers up to play in the pre-season. Um, but there'll be um, plenty of rivalry and uh, un undoubtedly some good stories and um, beers had afterwards because uh, I know a lot of the boys have, have crossed camps and know each other quite well. Morissette hosting Dora Creek 3 o'clock Saturday at Gibson Field. Yeah, I, um, I sort of, I think everyone, when we realised that Dora was going to have two sides and then we realised they were in our comp, I think everyone sort of got pretty excited to play against them and they're feeling pretty much the same. Um, we had a couple of boys go back there this year from that played with us last year. Um, and then a few other boys that played played at Morissette in my first two years and then sort of, I think they had a year off and now they're over there. So um, there's been plenty of plenty of chats between us when we've um, when we've seen each other at the pub or not. Um, so, yeah, it should, it should be a very, very interesting game. Yeah, I can imagine it will be, mate. No, no need to ask who you're tipping, but... Uh... Not only will it be an interesting game, but it's probably a fairly key game as well because a win for Dora would uh, see them four points clear of you, even though you've got those couple of games in hand and you wouldn't want to be giving up too much, I guess, um, in, in the way of points as the season heads on, chasing sort of what's you know quite key if you get first, but even those top three berths. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm obviously pretty confident that we can we can do a job and, um, and get the two points. I'm, I'd say that you'll be a fairly close game. Um, but, yeah, I'm... I, I, I don't want to get beat at home by Dora Creek, to be honest. Yeah, no, bragging rights, definitely a key piece because you'll hear about it, that's for sure. Well, mate, appreciate you jumping on today. Good luck this weekend in the local derby. There's plenty of rivalry to be had and certainly uh, no love lost and it'll be well worth the uh, price of admission of Blue Can. And what I can vouch for is um, some pretty good barbecue fare that you guys dish up down there if it's uh, anywhere near what it was last year. Um, so well worth yeah. the punters down in the, the Western Lakes region and further afield coming for a look and uh, you know watching you do your stuff. Yeah, definitely. If anyone's, if anyone's seen the, the shape of me, you know our campaign's pretty pretty well run. So. <laughs> yeah, that, if, if that's not a glowing endorsement, I don't know what is, mate. Well, again, a big thanks for jumping on today, mate. I look forward to uh, hopefully getting down to a Bulls game during the year and, and catching up with you for a beer afterwards. Uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, we will talk to you soon. No, not a problem, mate. Um, yeah, I'll just say I said it last year as well. Thanks for doing what you're doing, mate. This is Absolutely brilliant. Uh, a brilliant podcast you got going and the Facebook page and all that sort of stuff is awesome. So thanks, mate. No, I appreciate it, mate. Look forward to catching up with you. Good luck this weekend. Too easy. Thanks, mate. It's certainly been a bumper episode. A big thank you again to our guest, Reese Ryan of the Morissette Bulls, Grant Nelson from the Entrance Tigers, and the uh, ever-returning Josh Spiegelman, our stats man brought to you by Junkyard Skips. Thank you again to our other sponsors as well, Beaver Brewery, Shipley Meats at Rutherford, and Sharp DS Central Coast. Uh, make sure again to support those who support us. Get behind our social media channels and uh, if you could do us a favour, we're really trying to continue to grow the show and grow the footprint of local rugby league. So make sure to um, recommend the podcast uh, onto a friend or even to share our page um, or some of our scoreboards for a competition that you follow because, uh, again, the more coverage we can get for the local rugby league, the more interest we can raise, the more we can sort of look to invest back into it. And um, we certainly appreciate the uh, efforts of everyone that tunes in. So... A big thanks again. Make sure, of course, to follow us on those social media channels, Castle AU on Instagram, Castle AUS on Facebook. Uh, 
get out, enjoy your local rugby league this weekend. It's uh, supposed to be a better weather forecast, so hopefully we'll see many more fields open and plenty of action. Get down, enjoy a blue can or a soft drink and um, and a bite to eat. Support your local club both uh, off the field in terms of cheering and uh, getting behind them, but also financially by supporting their canteen and those sorts of things. But enjoy your local footy, and we'll be back next week with another episode covering all your local competitions. I'm Chris McPherson, and you've been listening to League Castle. Go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson. Runs to the line, he's got Buxton with him, it's been put on the toe. It's gonna to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lead Castle, Newcastle Hunters Home Rugby League.